everybody to the wild, wild west A state that's untouchable like Elliot Ness The track hits your eardrum like a slug to your chest Like a vest for your Jimmy in the city of sex We in that sunshine state Welcome back. We are back with another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John Jabari, my co-host, Matt Walker, and as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. It is finally here, the final episode of our uh, off-season divisional breakdown. So we've done, if you've been checking out the previous seven weeks, we've been going division by division, breaking these teams down for fantasy purposes, uh, looking at what they did in the off-season free agency, the draft, etc., to kind of see who we like for fantasy going forward. So we are concluding today with the NFC West. Walk, how are you, and where do you want to start? Still doing fantastic. Super excited to be finishing this so that we can just move forward with fantasy talk rather than looking at some of these just disgraceful divisions. Um, NFC West has long been a very competitive one, but this one's fallen a little bit on hard times itself. So, you know, it's probably the perfect division for you and I to go out on. And I, I think, you know, if we're, we're like-minded, I mean, we were building up in previous ones. And I think our favorite episode so far is when we started with the shitty teams. So I think that's probably the approach we should take to finish off the divisional breakdowns. <laughs> so, so that's handing it off to me with the Arizona Cardinals, who have a Vegas win total of five, uh, the lowest in all of football. And when you and I did our uh, <laughs> win-loss prediction show, uh, I had them at one, which I thought was terrible, until we got to you, who had them projected for zero wins, uh, the third uh, winless team in NFL history. So we are under Omni 5 on a team coming off four wins, and we think they are shit. So as you said, going to start at the bottom. Can't get no more bottom than this. So the Arizona Cardinals, what do they do in the offseason to improve on this 4-10 roster? Well, <laughs> they added Zach Pascal, and Jeff Swaim, and just signed uh, Marlon Mack. So – how do you get better? You bring in the big hitters like that. Um, in addition, you will not have your starting quarterback to start the year, and you go ahead and roll Colt McCoy out there for at least four games, probably to start the year. Could be half the season. Who did they lose from that 4-1 team? DeAndre Hopkins and Robbie Anderson. So they're, they're really not giving Colt McCoy a lot to uh, work with here in, in his uh, season starting out uh, behind this bleh. Mushmouth idiot starting out under center um, in the draft. What did they do? They had to rebuild in the draft, right? They smartly made that huge trade with Houston. So they do have a lot of future picks. They know they're not going to be competitive this year. They are definitely looking ahead. So for us this year for fantasy, this is probably a dead end as it's a dead end in real life football, but brighter days should be ahead um, draft six pick overall. They took uh, an offensive tackle, arguably the best one in the draft, but they already had a good left tackle. So I believe they're sliding him over to the right. But if, if Kyler Murray is not the answer, they are building up a nice uh, base on that offensive line for any future uh, quarterbacks. They will have second round defensive end, third round cornerback, another third round pick. A guy I like, Michael Wilson, stood, stand out at the mm -hmm. senior bowl. 
I did find one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard about any player in history on uh, CBS when I was looking at some of the draft stuff. They began the review of Michael Wilson as, quote, incredibly injury-plagued career, end quote. I've never heard the word incredible added on to that, and it really sums up guys made a paper. So hopefully – these things aren't sticky and in the NFL, he can play a little bit and not sustain the season ending injuries. He had the entire time he was at Stanford um, fourth round offensive line, fifth round Clayton tune who isn't special, but given what they have there, I, I wouldn't be shocked if this team completely shits the bed and they know they're moving on from Murray to see tune, get a couple starts to close out the season. So if you're in, you know, these best ball super flex leagues in these rookie drafts, not sure where to go towards the end. I think you could do worse than Clayton Toon. He probably will get a couple starts down the stretch. Um, fifth round, they took a linebacker, sixth round, a cornerback, another sixth round pick defensive line. So they know their offense stinks. They did nothing to make their offense better. They are uh, leaning into it, and there's a pretty damn good chance they're picking one and two next year. Not not a lot to really report here for fantasy. This team is a dumpster fire. And, and typically you would say, well, if you're going to lose 13, 14 games, or in some of our cases, 17, uh, you're probably going to be trailing quite a bit all game and going to be throwing to catch up. But they don't really even have the weapons in place that you'd be excited about especially with the the mystery about when Kyler Murray is going to get back. So it's like, as much as I like Hollywood Brown as a a big play guy, how much do you like Hollywood Brown with Colt McCoy? How much do you like Trey McBride with Colt McCoy? All all these guys are so dependent on Colt McCoy taking a step up. And the thing is, if Colt McCoy could take a step up, he would have already been a starter in the NFL. So they they know they're going to suck. They're leaning into it. This team is bad, bad. I would be blown away if they are not picking first next year. Picking first and locking up the potential dynamic duo of Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. to head Phoenix, Arizona in a miraculously rebuilt offense in one offseason where Kyler Murray then feels the fate, albeit much richer, of Josh Rosen where he is replaced with a new head coach and the first overall pick and shipped off to the Atlanta Falcons. That's my call for all of that next year. And I'd still like Trey, uh, Trey McBride in this offense. Don't like the rest of them. You know, Mar- uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown can't happen without Kyler Murray or some big arm quarterback. And that ain't, that ain't Colt McCoy. Right. So maybe a little Greg Dorch or some manufactured Rondell Moore, but, Trey McBride's the only one I have any hope for. And you you mentioned the profile of Michael Wilson, who is 6'2", 213, big body. I wanted to go and give a little excerpt from our lads as well as you, you piqued my interest. <laughs> Missed 16 games over the last three seasons combined with different injuries. When looking at the big picture, that put a significant dent into his potential production. Since the start of 2020, he's played in just 14 games and caught 64 balls. Most receivers get those numbers in one season. <laughs> yeah. Michael Wilson, ladies and gentlemen. The thing, the thing with him, I, and I hope he's not. I, I can't. The names are escaping me off the top of my head. But there's certain guys in fantasy who 
you know, teams roll out there as a decoy. They go, oh, yeah, he'll be back this week. And then you plug them in your starting lineup and they don't even get, you know, zero targets or one target. And then after the game, the coach is like, yeah, he's still a little banged up, but we wanted to get him out there and uh, draw the defense. I, I, the, the best thing that can happen, because he's been productive in college when he was on the field, is as long as he's not <laughs> active on game days, I think he might be safe to play. I mean, maybe not the start of the season here while you're getting his legs on him and seeing if he can perform at the NFL level. But if he's even remotely competent, I think he can be a fine wide receiver three even to to start his career. But if he's one of those guys where he's active, but they don't use him because he's hurt, that's the fucking worst thing in the world. So fingers crossed at least he can fall into that niche where – if he's active, he will play and he'll get you, you know, a nice safe floor for a wide receiver three kind of a flex guy. I mean, he's legitimately only one of the only adult sized wide receivers on this team. <laughs> That's perfect. They're all <laughs> fuck. Throw throw Murray in there. He's he's a literal man amongst boys. Yes, he, he's Gulliver. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Lilliputians. <laughs> <laughs> the Arizona Lilliputians. There you go. No, they suck. I, I honestly, it was hyperbole. I just think they're such a bad team. I wasn't even trying to like find a win for them. They could go winless. It's it's, it's entirely within the realm of reality that they go zero and seventeen. They're they're that bad in my opinion. I'm looking at their this team. Sure, they're fixing the offensive line. You're right. Paris Johnson is slated at right tackle with DJ Humphreys at left. That's good bookends there. They're okay on the inside. They got patchwork wide receivers. They got an unproven rookie behind a Zach Ertz who might not even play this year. Uh, he's still on the pup who had like a multi-ligament issue. Kyler Murray also on the pup. Well, they're debating between Colt McCoy who shouldn't start and Clayton Toon who shouldn't start. And then a bunch of defensive guys that no one's even fucking heard of. I mean, you ever hear Dennis Gardeck? Well, he's a starting inside line, outside linebacker. Right? I, I, right I have him rostered, yes, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Jonathan Ledbetter, anyone, yeah, if you need a D-tackle, that guy. Isaiah Simmons is now playing their nickelback role. That's where this team is Yeah. as a franchise. They, they, they drafted a guy who was, quote-unquote, positionless. They said it like it was a good thing. And then for however many years, they couldn't figure out what to do with him. Yeah. You know, and now stupid Jonathan Gannon, who ruined my Super Bowl chances, oh. is going to fix all this. Yeah, good luck. Okay, good here, luck. let's do a quick fun exercise here, if you don't don't mind. We'll, we'll go through this quick. I had him at one when you hit zero. You just mentioned, legitimately, they may not win a game. I pulled the schedule up. Let, let's do this quick. Week one at the Washington Commanders. Lost. They're not going east and winning a game. No. Week two at home, hosting the Giants. Giants should beat the shit out of them. Then Cowboys at home. Cowboys should beat the shit out of them. At the Niners, no way. Week five. They shouldn't even play that game. (laughs) They should surrender. They should surrender. (laughs) Forfeit. Week week five, Bengals in Arizona. Huge Um, loss. Yes. (laughs) Now, week six at the Rams. I'm not giving him a road game yet. Nope, that's a no, loss. No, week seven. Stafford should still be starting at that point. So you go from the Rams to at Seattle. You ain't winning that game. Uh, week game. eight, home game. Get the Baltimore Ravens. Nope. Yeah. Good luck. Okay, we have potential here. Uh, this week is, this nine. Is your game, huh? 
Week nine at the Cleveland nope. Browns. Nope. Nope. You hit me with the app. Okay. I'm blindly believing in Cleveland again this year. Listen, I, I get it, but there is absolutely a world where the Cleveland karma comes into effect, and this is the only <laughs> entirely possible. Cleveland, I think 20 of, the 22, a, 20 of the 22 starters are better on the Cleveland side of the ball in that game. They're going to be a, a 20, 20 and a half point favorite, and they'll lose at home by seven. <laughs> Just doing Cleveland things. Okay. But I could say it. Odds are they're not winning on the road. Okay. Week 10, we, hit, we have a chance here. In Arizona, hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta's going to sort of run it down their throat. Right. <laughs> Power football. Now, now we got another chance boy, here. Week, week 11, it is on the road. This may be the battle for the first overall pick at mm. the Houston Texans. I could see it. I mean, if Murray's back at that point, which there's no reason he shouldn't be. Other than the fact but on the, on the road, if they had it yeah, at home, I'd give it to him. It's Houston. I mean, is that really on the road? I mean, it's not, it's probably, they're probably taking a bus. Hmm. No. Arizona to Houston. Let, let, let's be generous. We'll give them that one. There's their one win. All right. Week 12, they get the Rams in Arizona. That's another loss. Week 13, I, I'm, I'm calling this by murder at the Steelers. They're not winning in Pittsburgh in the morning yeah. game. <laughs> week 14 by week 15 in Arizona with the Niners 14. again. They're going to lose week 14 as well. <laughs> first team never lose a bye. Week 15 at home against the Niners, murder. Week 16 at the Bears. You could sign you could get me to convince the Bears would choke except it's fucking December 24th. The Cardinals ain't winning a game. It's going to be fucking 13 degrees not yeah, happening. No way. Oh, ready for a ready for a real fucking murder? Week seventeen at your Philadelphia Eagles. Thanks, guys. <laughs> on New Year's New Year's Eve, that's they should really, be a really twenty-one a, point dog. Finishing the year in style, and then they close out the year. Uh, don't have a game date or time yet, thanks to the NFL's awesome flex schedule at home against the Seahawks. Then I don't see that happening either. So. I mean, yes, we've they, generously. They could, they could take a Rams game. That's possible. They could win in Houston. They and, and that's about it. I mean, there's, there's. I mean, like you said, you could paint the Cleveland narrative if you want. The Bears aren't world beaters, but you're right. It's Arizona heading to fridge. It is <laughs> Chicago in December. No, thank you. If that's, if that's Seattle has if C- Seattle has a playoff spot locked up, and they they could squeeze out a second win. If they are winless going into that week and Seattle rests their starters, I'm claiming victory. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm claiming God, victory. They fucking care. suck. They're a bad team. I mean, they are they're they're in rarefied air. How bad they are. And I think they made a terrible decision with their head coach, personally. One. Stop hiring defensive coordinators to be head coaches. Just stop it. It's a flawed process. Sure, there are some that are good. But by and large, you win with offense. You win with innovative offensive minds. Let them bring in quality defensive coordinators to try and minimize the impact of offenses in the NFL. Don't bring in a guy whose primary motivation is to not score points. Stupid. (laughs) 
Stupid, stupid. All right. So from the bottom up a single rung, like literally the next on the ladder. So we're really not, we're really not climbing high here are the Los Angeles Rams. All it's right. like you ever climb up a ladder and your foot slips and you end up on the same rung you started on. But yeah, your hands kind, one up. Kind of like your, that. Feet still the, your feet are still in the same spot. Like, did I really get anywhere? Yeah. yeah like Clark Griswold in uh, Vegas vacation or the Christmas when the fucking old ladder comes down <laughs> and he just looks around afterwards. It's like, yeah. oh, nothing happened. <laughs> um, so free agency, they traded for Hunter Long. That's it. That's what they did. In the draft, they used their fourth round pick on Stetson Bennett, who is already like 26 years old, something like that. Um, fifth round, Davis Allen, tight end. Late, right after that, fifth round again, Puka Nakua, who is all over Twitter right now. Everyone's patting themselves on the back for fifth round Puka Nakua. While there's no other receivers worth a shit in Los Angeles right now because Cooper Cup is not practicing with a hammy. Then, sixth round, Zach Evans, who hopefully gets a chance, but I have not heard a fucking peep about Zach Evans out of Rams camp thus far, which does not give me the warm and fuzzies because behind Cam Akers, there is nothing. They signed Sonny Michelle, who promptly retired after they signed him. They have Kyron Williams, who I don't know if you know it, John, but he's still running the 40 at his combine. And they cut uh, Tyon Evans, who was an undrafted rookie that they had brought in. Oh, I didn't know they cut him. They cut him already? Yeah, I, I think the Panthers already released him too. So, yeah, that dude's cooked. Yeah, you know, if you're holding him anywhere in Dynasty, feel free to open up that uh that taxi spot. So he should be second in line behind Cam Akers, you know, as far as opportunity in that offense. But what well, what would that mean? Well, this was a five-win team in 2022. They currently have a Vegas total over six and a half at plus one hundred. So Vegas is not anticipating this team taking a massive step forward with the return of some of their wily veterans. So my thought is this is the other team that recently went all in the hoist of Lombardi last episode. We were talking about Tampa. That's the team I had Rams did the same thing a few years prior. They cashed all their chips, went and got all the all-stars, you know, won won the Lombardi. Hey, did it. Nothing, you know, any team would, right. Paid the shit out of Matt Stafford, gave Aaron Donald a shit ton of money, brought in Von Miller, paid Cooper Cup, you know, had traded for Jalen Ramsey, I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah, they they did what they had to do to win. Well, now this team is old and they have no real secession plan. There's literally even Sean McVay's teetering whether he even wants to coach anymore already. The dude's like 37 years old and contemplating retirement. Just ah, I could just be in the booth and make probably more money and not work as hard. Uh, I'm, I'm so conflicted. It's a, it's a disaster for those Los Angeles Rams at this point in time. They should have let John Wofford and Bryce Perkins just run out the string last year. Going two and three with Baker made no sense for a three and nine team last year. They compromised potential assets in the draft process or just really burning it down to build it back up. And as I'm thinking about it, did they even have assets in the draft process this year? So maybe that's why. They brought in Baker to try and win games because all they were doing was fucking up other people's draft picks, not their own since they trade them all away. But their main piece of their offense, soon to be 36-year-old with neck injury, Matt Stafford, who at best has is locked up through the 2025 season with a huge with huge dead cap hits. 
30-year-old Cooper Cup, who missed significant time last year with an injury and has already picked up a hammy in camp. He's also signed through 2026 with an out in 2025. Kind of aligned with Stafford, but still multiple years away. Tyler Higby, soon to be 31 years old, will be a free agent at the end of this season. And then previously discussed, post-Achilles Cam Akers, who is only 24 years old, but will also be an unrestricted free agent after this season. <clears throat> they are running this Titanic straight into the rebuild iceberg. But luckily, <laughs> the Rams finally have their full complement of picks in 2024. How cool would it be if this team actually collapsed for Caleb and he was the one that stayed in Los Angeles with the Rams after this season? It would take a lot because, as we discussed, Arizona is the worst team in NFL history. But if Atlanta, if Los Angeles was doing it right, they would just totally bail on this season. Race to the bottom. Perfectly summed up. Yeah, who who uh, is Caleb Williams from Southern California too? See, through uh, and through California. That I guy. don't know because I mean he started in Oklahoma, so he might be a Texas kid. All right, never mind. That already <laughs> ruins my narrative in my head. Well, I mean, he now plays in Southern California, which is in I, Los Angeles. I get it. There's still a narrative. Big, big ten, Big Ten bound USC. Interestingly enough, and as soon as I there. saw it. I remembered it. He's actually from Washington, D.C. So it couldn't be any further from the truth. I know people live there. I don't think I've ever actually met someone from Washington, D.C. Well, if you ever run into Caleb Williams, you can introduce yourself. Yeah, I can change that. uh, You can change that narrative. You made them sound so much fucking worse than I even had in my head. So Vegas has them at seven. You had him at five. I have him right at seven. You, you, your narrative has talked me into putting them, yeah, much lower towards fucking Arizona territory. Ugh. Dude, their offensive line. Sorry, it stinks. They have they have no first round picks on their offensive line. You know, I mean, they haven't signed a no boomer. Okay, as tackles. And then they have. Steve Avila, who they just drafted a rookie who's who's good, a second-round pick at guard. Then they have some dude named Tremaine Ankrum Jr., who was a seventh-round pick in 2020 at right guard, and Brian Allen, who was a fourth-round center. I mean, it's just – they just don't – you know. and then it's you know, Ben Skoranek and Van Jefferson are, are the ones battling Demarcus Robinson for wide receiver targets behind Cooper Cup. Wouldn't you like, wouldn't you like to see Aaron Donald just destroy those <laughs> interior linemen in practice? I mean, he does regularly. Oh, he absolutely does. Yeah, Yeah. that that never gets out. But, yeah, I mean, their line still stinks. They got an old quarterback with a neck and back chronic injury. And elbow. And elbow, yeah. He's the the operation quarterback. I mean, who they're tied to financially for multiple seasons from now. I mean, it's it's crazy what they're what this franchise looks like as it's currently constituted because they can't bring in anyone else. They can't afford anyone else. They're just premium paying all the guys that won them their Super Bowl. What? Three years ago. <laughs> Sold their soul. I, I wonder what that looks like for a team's bottom line. I mean, we've seen it in baseball. The Marlins did it twice, loaded up, won a world series, dumped everybody, loaded up, won a world series, dumped everybody. I mean, enough teams have done it in different leagues that it's got to be quite profitable. I mean, I don't know how much money you make that, you know, with a single championship and the the afterglow that comes with it and selling season tickets and all that shit, but I mean. 
Oh, I'm sure the, the bump in the interim sure more than makes up for any regression that occurs years later. Yeah. Right? Ticket sales, you know, price per ticket goes up 40% year over year. And my apologies, two two Super Bowls ago, this will be the third Super Bowl removed from there. 23-20 win against the Bengals, which I don't know if you saw recently. Odell Beckham said if he didn't get hurt in that game, he would have had 15 catches for 250 yards. Listen, he was heavily involved in the game plan early. So if he's telling the truth that that was the plan for the game, I buy it and I was in on it. I took every stinking fucking Odell Beckham prop possible in that game. And he still hit some of them. And I think he went out in the first quarter. <laughs> so he was- I, I think he made it further than people think. Cause I looked a little deeper in this. He played like a third of the game snaps. So he definitely played beyond the first quarter. He's probably played into the second quarter of the game and had two catches for like 50 some yards and a touchdown. So it would have yeah. been, it would have been a difficult it was a nice start Odell, yeah. <laughs> but I love, you know, the projection after the fact, right? And I can imagine everyone's gearing up to start stop Cooper Cup and you say, oh, fuck, we're just going to run Odell underneath on crossers all day long. You know, some dump and run shit. I mean, that's how his touchdown, I'm pretty sure, was a shallow cross that he just think so. ghosted everyone as they cleared out the other side. So probably would have had a game, but sorry. You weren't you weren't setting fucking Super Bowl records. I mean, he still, he still had a good game. That's the thing. Like, 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 there's nothing for him to even, like, brag about now. Like, whoa, you should have seen what I did. It's like you had a good game that you even missed a big chunk of like, there's no reason to, it's like, uh, you ever meet people that just lie about completely worthless shit to lie about constantly. Like, what'd you do today? And they're like, yeah, I, uh, you know, went to the cemetery and I cleaned off the veteran gravestones. And then you find out they're just like at the drive-in and you're like, you didn't yeah. like, <laughs> you yeah. saw a movie. Like, yeah, what would I, I even saved, be mad? Why would I, <laughs> I, I saved a blind baby from a burning building. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't even have to lie. Like your day was fine as it was. Like, yeah, I, and, I would much rather heard about the movie. Yeah, like that. That's what I think is like the deal with him. Like you had a really fucking good Super Bowl. Who would be mad at? <laughs> I'd love to catch a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, he's and like, you oh, got the ring. You, yeah, just yeah. hey, you, guys, not the way you want to go out. But hey, you contributed, and they won. So largely unnecessary, your, your pontification on your totally outlandish stat projections for the game. But not, nonetheless, Rams will suck again this year. Probably <laughs> and next year. In, probably and 2025. Year. And Sean McVay will not be their coach in two seasons. He will finally just call it, call it quits It'd after another. Blow the whole thing up. He just, yeah, he won't be able to accept it. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. He'll, he'll end up making a lot more money working for Fox or whatever and not have to deal with the day-to-day shit. He can, so he can dry his tears and mountains of money and Instagram models, uh, bikini tops. Yeah, exactly. Tough, Tough life. life. Feel, All right. Feel bad. For those <laughs> Moving on to the Seattle Seahawks. So in free agency, who do they bring in for our purposes here for fantasy? Nobody. Who do they get rid of? <laughs> Rashad Penny, your guy, and uh, Travis Homer left, so they cleared a little space in the backfield. That would be the end of my free agency thing, except I I have to look at the defensive side of the ball. You know, we talked last week about what Carolina did on offense, and I knew it was a problem, and they really attacked it in free agency. Seattle brought in Draymond Jones, Julian Love, Jaron Reed, Bobby Wagner of Reunion, Devin Bush and Mario Edwards, they fucking stacked this offense. That was 
or sorry, stack this defense that already wasn't terrible, had a lot of good pieces in place already, and they made it way better. I'm, I'm pretty excited about what they did in free agency, not for fantasy, for real football, but pretty good moves by them, I think. Uh, didn't trade anybody this year in the draft. They took a uh, cornerback first uh, round fifth pick overall, Devin Weatherspoon. Not necessarily the body type they usually go with on defense, but a lot of people thought he was the best corner, and they brought him in later in the first round. Jackson Smith and Jigba, many of the fantasy community's top wide receiver in this class. Second round defensive end, second round another pick. Zach Charbonnet, they brought in another running back, and everybody went, what are they doing? Kenneth Walker just had a good season last year, although he was banged up a little bit. And now it seems to be a smart move because Kenneth Walker, as far as I know, and we're recording this on August 8th, still is out of practice. He's missed several weeks now. So <laughs> maybe they, they know a little more about Walker and how banged up he is or how susceptible he is getting banged up than the rest of us do. Charbonnet seems like a real sneaky positive pick now for them. Fourth round offensive lineman, fifth round a defensive lineman, another fifth round a defensive end, another fifth round offensive line, sixth round a safety, and seventh round with their 10th pick in the NFL draft. Kenny McIntosh, who you and I said throughout the process, like just the way Seattle uses players and stuff and how you and I have like players like DJ Dallas and these other kind of bottom of the roster running backs for Seattle. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Kenny McIntosh has some standalone value. Sounds like he's been doing pretty good in camp. If uh, Walker isn't going to be there, could be Charbonnet and McIntosh most of the year. So kind of, kind of just the Seattle thing to do where a lot of these unheralded guys kind of come in and fill in a role and, and surprise a lot of people. So didn't do anything in free agency. I do like the offensive pieces they brought in in the draft. The Vegas has them at eight and a half after winning nine a year ago. I had them at 10. You superseded me and gave them 12. So Boom. we both like we both like Seattle. We have them finishing a second in division behind the Niners, who you'll get to next. But, yeah, I, I really like what they did this offseason across the board. I, I, I think they are – you know, for a nine-win team, I think they're definitely improved. So I think 10 is kind of their floor this year. Yeah, I agree. They're pretty complete. You know, they've unearthed something in Geno Smith that I did not think was possible. I had them <laughs> famously sucking last year and was proven wrong because I, 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 I look quarterback out for teams that I project being shitty, and I just didn't see this coming from Geno Smith, which neither did the Seahawks for fuck's sake. No. They literally were, it was an open competition between him and Drew Locke. And then Drew Locke got like, I think got COVID or something in the preseason and the rest is history. So there is a mono. Did he get mono or something? Weird? Him and Sam Darnold were probably hanging out, you know, reliving the glory days of college. But, you know, there, there's a parallel universe where Drew Locke just created this team out before they gave Geno Smith a shot last year, um, you know, to, to save them. So, but I was wrong, and I, uh, I attempt not to be. You know, bias is aside. That's truly how I felt about the team last year. Came full circle. I, I like the Seahawks, and I love that they let Rashad Penny grow because he's going to lead the NFL in rushing for my Eagles this year. But <laughs> that aside, finishing off this divisional breakdown series with the San Francisco 40 Winers. I mean, who better to finish off with than, you know, the tears of a clown 
San Francisco 49ers. What they do in free agency? Well, they saw they had a problem. They didn't carry enough quarterbacks last year. So what'd they do? They said, Sam Darnold, we're going to give you one year, $4.5 million, 3.5 of it guaranteed with a max value of 11.5 million. Take that Baker. Still Sam Darnold greater than Baker Mayfield from that. Wow. And there's a world where Sam Darnold makes meaningful starts this year. There is, because it's definitely not Trey Lance. So let's see what Brock Purdy does in year two. I was not that impressed with the kid. I mean, he won games, but let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on Mr. Irrelevant. Okay, so other than him, Chris Conley, one-year deal. I just wrote, wow. Willie Sneed, one-year deal. Double wow. I didn't know either of those guys were still in the NFL. Apparently, they're still both on the San Francisco. I, I knew Conley was. I had no idea Willie Sneed was still around. Boxcar Willie Sneed, a throwback to our boy Debro from years past when we did the Saints breakdown with him. And we dubbed him Boxcar Willie Sneed. So his, his picture looked like a mugshot on the Saints website. Um, in the draft, well, they didn't have picks in round one or two, so they didn't do a lot. In round three, they drafted a tight end, Cameron Latu. In round seven, they drafted a tight end, Braden Willis. And then also in round seven, they drafted a wide receiver, Ronnie Bell. So they committed zero significant capital to the offensive skill position. So what did that yield them in 2022? 13 wins last year. They were dominant last year. Vegas has them at over 10 and a half at minus 140. So projecting them to be a double digit win team again this year, I'd be hard pressed to believe that they are not. They have a formidable defense and they have a ton of talent on offense. So I'm just wondering how long it's going to take them to get over the fact that Josh Johnson couldn't win them a playoff game last year. But Brock Purdy went from Mr. Irrelevant to a revelation in the Shanahan system before tearing his UCL under the constant pressure of my ferocious Eagles pass rush. <laughs> they might have you know, all joking aside. They might have the best collection of skill position players in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, just pure athleticism, you know, and and just ways that they can beat you is bonkers with, with those players. But Purdy still has a lot to prove to me. And as I stated before, I could see Darnold, Darnold making starts this year. Hopefully Trey Lance gets traded before the season because keeping him as their emergency QB3 or whatever it's called at this point in time, would only serve to grow that black eye even bigger on both him and the organization. Cut your losses, move on. Holding him any longer is just bringing his value further down. It's not you're not going to get more for him in the future. Cut your losses, get out from under this kid. Potential landing spots for me are the Minnesota Vikings and the Washington Commanders slash football team slash Redskins. Not really sure at this point in time, or the aforementioned Seattle Seahawks or LA Rams as developmental pieces behind their aging starters. But I doubt. They trade him in division, even though that isn't that much of a thing anymore. Yeah. They, uh, they're, they have the, as much as they're the favorite and they should be the favorite, you know, if Purdy does not take the next step, I don't see Darnold being able to carry them. And I'm not a Trey Lance believer. So even if they hold him on the roster, they could be, a stinky quarterback season away from really being one of the biggest disappointments in the NFL. But as it stands coming off a 13 win year, Vegas has them at 11 and a half. I had them right at the number at 11. You had them just a hair over at 13. So we, we both believe 
in the supporting cast and have them as the winning the division as the favorite they are to win the division. So I, I, I'm super interested to see what opposing defenses can do with Brock Purdy having, you know, roughly a, a season of film on him. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting, right? And and just like look back at their game logs, right? He came into the game against Miami that and, and he played well. I'm not gonna, not gonna say he didn't that they won. Then his starts afterwards were home against Tampa at Seattle, which was a good game, home against Washington, at the Raiders, and then home against the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, the the stiffest competition he faced as a starter was Seattle. Which you know he was two two hundred seventeen pass yards two touchdowns no interceptions you know decent enough but I mean he just I don't know he he had a unsustainable touchdown rate I mean he pretty much threw for two touchdowns all but one game and that's when he threw three you know in the final game of the year that just isn't going to persist his TD rate is astronomical um, given that so I just I just think that defense is going to protect him a little bit but I I kind of see regression to the norm. This year, interceptions are going to pop up. He's not going to get the bounce of the ball with with some of these touchdowns, and they're going to they're going to struggle a little bit more with Mister Purdy. I personally still think Donald's a better quarterback, and would be a better fit in the system just from jump. Move forward with Sam Donald, better arm talent, you know, and Brock Purdy's getting propped up against this mini stretch that he had last year. So, yeah, another thing I'd be glad to say I'd be proven wrong about, but I think. Purdy's just ultimately going to be a nice story when it's all said and done. I, I've never been a Darnold guy, so I, I can't get there. I mean, it, to me, at, at worst, they're all equal piles of garbage, I guess. Yeah, listen, Purdy brings nothing with his legs. He 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 racked up a sterling 13 yards on 22 attempts this uh, during his – his brief starting career. So he's a pocket quarterback that can extend plays, but you know, he doesn't bring that other dynamic element. Darnold can run with his legs is more lower the football might not be a fan of the player, but Darnold is a more complex quarterback than uh, Brock Purdy is. I mean, dude, when Darnold started with the jets, it was a fucking nightmare. (laughs) This dude's got short sticked. Pretty much where he went. When Carolina, didn't they fire their coach? Didn't, didn't uh, what's his name? Uh, Matt Rule get fired yeah. while he was there? <laughs> I believe it's been, so. a, it's, been a, it's been an absolute disaster wherever he's gone. I mean, he, I think he stinks too, but you, you do bring up the point that, I mean, if you're talking Listen, they just went purely from, Todd Bowles purely from to fantasy, Adam, Todd Bowles to Adam Gase during his time with the Jets. I mean, no one's been set up for failure more than if uh, stupid Urban Meyer didn't get fired from the Jaguars. And and Lawrence would have had to endure multiple seasons of that. I mean, that's about as bad of a start as you can get. And he's, he leaves just before Salah gets there, and then he has to deal with another college coach in Matt Rule who wasn't meant for the NFL. Now he gets competent coaching of a guy that liked him coming out. I don't know. Smelling something here. I don't think you're nuts. I mean, I just like yeah, I said, I didn't I, I didn't like <laughs> I didn't really like Trey Lance coming out, and I definitely didn't like Darnold. So like to me, based on my pre preconceived notions here, uh Purdy's already 
my favorite, but it's not that I like him. It's that I don't like the other two. But, I mean, your point about him, Darnold doing a little more with his legs than Purdy ever would is definitely valuable for fantasy. Better than I even thought. Career four yards per carry, has 745 yards and 12 touchdowns to his name across 56 games. That's uh, more than I thought. We shall see. Yes. Yeah. What do you think has to happen to start the Niners year for them to start looking away from Purdy? I mean, do they have to go? Does he have to suck? Like if he stinks, but they still go four and oh, they don't make a change, right? As long as they're winning, he's in there. Yeah, uh, I agree. So let's look at their schedule. They start out back to back road games at Steelers at Rams before coming home to face the Giants, and then they get the Cardinals and Cowboys at home. Listen, I mean, at Rams is always going to be tough. At Steelers, not how you want to start your season. Giants and Cowboys are going to be formidable. Arizona, they should crush. Then they go at Cleveland, at Minnesota, before home against the Bengals going into their bye week in week eight. I'm not trying to be this guy, even though I was shitting on the 49ers earlier. I could see them, what are we talking, through eight weeks? I could see them being a four and four team. They have tough road games. Yeah. Like, you know, we go through these schedules when we do that episode and, you know, some, sometimes just breaks in a team's favor where all their tough games are at home and they're easy. You know, the road games are their easiest games. Just that little snippet you gave me, it's kind of opposite. They got some tough ones on the fucking road, which is yeah. double tough. Yeah, I mean, it's not much. I mean, they, there's obviously some cupcakes coming in, but both Seattle games are on the back end after their bye. The Eagles are after their bye. The Jaguars are after their bye, who I think is a good team. But then they have the Buccaneers. Oh, sorry, and the Ravens. <laughs> so they have, they have a tough finish. I mean, they, they do have the Bucks, Commanders, and Rams, who leave a little bit to be desired. But you know, they they have a, they have a pretty tough draw. So I mean, let's I'd say probably, they're four. And, if they're four and four, are they pulling the plug? Probably not. So, and I don't what see do them going anywhere. It's more likely they're at six and two, honestly, after coming out of that. But I think four and so four is you, reasonable. I think they'd have to have a losing so that, record going into the bye, honestly. So that's my question. What is it going to take to get a – and we're, we're saying it's going to be the win-loss record. We also get going that direction because of their defense. So odds are, barring injury, we're going to get a full – season of the Brock Purdy experience, right? I mean, the, the reality could also set in, right? The, you know, the, the pumpkin, you know, the chariot could turn into a pumpkin, you know, his glass slipper falls off and he just isn't the same quarterback that he was a year ago. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's, he, he's not as efficient with the ball. He's, you know, his touchdown rate dips, you know, his turnovers go up. He costs him a game or two and, you know, Shanahan the whole time is, you know, he's got his right eye just trained on Sam Darnold where he's like, ah, fuck. I'm put him in so bad. I, I, I know I can fix this guy. Yeah. Get in there, the Sam. Hubris factor sets in, and before you know it, gonna be yeah. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's carrying people to their fantasy championships. Yeah, for for the team that is Vegas has projected for the most wins in the NFC, it's kind of interesting to have this quarterback conundrum. You know what I mean? Like usually on the teams that are. The better teams, that's the one position that's solidified. So it's odd on the NFC side 
the favorite to win the NFC. Oh, no, what's Philly at? I was going to say, they're not above Philly. I was I just had to pull that back up as well. Oh, I got Philly's at 11. The Niners are 11 and a half on okay, what I got. Well, I'm at Vegas Insider, and it has the Eagles at 11 and a half too. Plus 104, and it has the 49ers at 10 and a half, honestly. At minus 142. So, they, so what I'm looking at. Vegas Insider actually has the Eagles with a full win higher. The only other 11-win team that I'm seeing here is Kansas City. Yeah, this is from, I don't know, a couple months uh, ago. Yeah, yeah other than but that, there's a couple. At, at that time, oh, too, sorry. Bleach. Since he's also over 11 and a half at plus 118. So there's three 11 and a half win teams. Oh, I was just looking NFC. Bleacher Report had, at the time I pulled this, 12 and Philly at 11. Okay. Yeah, so this is pulling from FanDuel, Caesars, and PointsBet. And then this one, the uh, – what do you call it when you add them all together? I can't think of it. Consensus? Yeah. Consensus had Niners 10.7 and Philly at 11. So that sounds – that's not what I mean. I was going to go with aggregate, but consensus is the appropriate terminology. So either way, for a team that's up there to have – this kind of a question mark at quarterback is pretty unusual. So there, we all know there, it's there not is a, So not in the running. <laughs> Clearly, he's been passed by Brandon, whatever the Brandon Allen, the guy that was the backup for Barrow and since yeah. the last couple of years. So kind of interesting there to see, you know, the, the potential to blow up is definitely present, but so that'll do it for these divisional breakdowns. Take a breath, kind of, Done with Dynasty now and going to start looking ahead to the season and getting ready for the uh, redraft part of the year, setting lineups, sleepers, busts, all that fun stuff. So thanks for sticking with us through these divisional breakdowns. For myself, John DeBarry, my co-host, Matt Walker, and our friends at Expand the Box Score, we are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here. Party? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So his last deal that he signed with them in 2020 was five years, $63 million. So yeah. just under what, 13 mil a year back then. Uh, so he he's still set. He's getting paid $2 million from the Vikings this year already <laughs> to not play. Hope you, hope you pocketed a little bit of that, sir. Yeah. I mean, career earnings, he's going to be at $34 million for his five plus seasons sorry six plus seasons with the vikings because it's still got the two million bank but they paid him He's 32 be- mil i mean in six years already i mean he made 16 million in actual earnings in 2020 and he made just under nine mil last year i mean he's gonna be lucky to make three over the next or nine million over the next three years yeah yeah that's yeah these these running backs are complaining about getting franchise tagged well Wait until you're left out in the cold. You're looking for cardboard boxes. Fucking $10 million franchise tag doesn't look that bad. Oh, sir. It. Not long-term security, but it's short-term wealth. Go blame the CBA. Don't worry, gang. Yeah. You can renegotiate in seven years. <laughs> yeah, you guys what got sacrificed. Who the you got sacrificed for the greater good. How about that? Listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll, we'll extend it out to 2030.
Yeah, that sounds good. Sign us up. Holy fuck. Uh, no, listen, that's the only way that those, these owners were agreeing to any of those revenue shares, I'm sure. Jesus. Lock it in. <laughs> yeah, lock it in. All right. They're stupid. League-wide. All right. That's good B-roll. Let's roll. <laughs>